Well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is August 1st, 2021. David is the beloved of the Lord. He is the darling of Israel. In fact, he is the singer of Israel. Israel. Yeah. And yet there's more. He is the warrior of the Lord. He is the king of the people. And at times the king and priest of the nation. He is loved because he displays the heart of God. So let's open with a directive in our attitudes this morning. So that we can offer the Lord an acceptable sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving today. Let me hear it rise from this church. Hallelujah. Come on, that directive comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Turn there in your Bible. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, and we are going to begin in verse 14. Somebody say there when you get there. There. <laughs> but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we've only given you, we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Oh Lord our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. I know my God that you test the heart. Whew. And you are so pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. O Lord, God of our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever. And keep their hearts loyal to you. Church, when you hear these words... Know that we are praising God for the very same reasons as David. We have seen in you, in the people in this room, a willing, honest intent, joyful offering of your very lives. Amen. Now, Lou, we want to clear it up from the beginning. We're not talking about money. Even the Mormons can do that. We're talking about something supernatural. I'm talking about a triumphal willingness to enter into being formed into Christ. Yeah. I'm talking about the kind of attitude that says, I am abundantly blessed, even if you are in circumstances that are kind of gutter real estate, because you always have a starry view. Yeah. We're talking about supernatural things, not base things like giving to a church. Yeah. We're thrilled to death for that, but that's not what we're after. What we are after is the joyful Offering of praise that comes from your life in every circumstance. Come on. Man. Hasn't that been a clear directive for us? Look, uh, your pastors and elders, we couldn't be more proud of your engagement with the process. That develops a divine nature inside of you. This is the hope of our generations. Yeah. It's the hope for the dying lost. It's hope for the world at large. Keeping this desire in your hearts and actions forever is how we will overthrow the tyrannical dictatorship of Satan Come on. and liberate the world in the love and kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on now. 
We're going to briefly review how we've come to this absolutely amazing and glorious position. Two weeks ago, we had a sermon entitled, Don't Fear the Razor. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Are you with me, Andrew Hayes? See, what we learned, Andrew, was that we don't need more cowbell. That's not what we need. It is more courage that we need to be perfected, developed, and discipled into the divine rule of Christ. Can somebody say amen? Amen. We heard an extraordinary message following that one on a Wednesday from Mr. Lenton and Mr. Daramola. I had to clear something up for them later. I said that they were midnight in Coltrane. And Lenton said... Who is who? I, I mean, what, what does that mean? I want to be clear. The more nicknames a man has, the more he's loved by God. Amen. Just, if you don't think that's, that's biblical, you research it. You'll find out that's, that's true. Very true. As they reflected on, on the previous Sunday's message, we learned that we aren't scared to be exposed. Because we don't need to be bound by circumstances or forced to participate in the process of being perfected. In fact, we've learned to relinquish that feeling of control in circumstances because it's in that powerless, helpless situation that the divine is developed in us. It's at the moment that we feel powerless that his power begins to perfect us. Look, in addition to that, we learned that we must, but moreover, We see it as necessary. We see it as beneficial to participate in razor-like trials and tribulations. In fact, we even see it as a joy to endure the scorn of shameful situations. Oh, it goes a step further. We are allured by dry, desert, razor process. Because it has become for us a door of hope in becoming who Christ is. Come on, that hope is seen as the razor is giving us strong convictions like yeah. the Nazarites. It's yeah. given us firm callings like the Levites, and it's giving us lives of steadfast sacrifice just like the Israelites, otherwise known as princes of God. Yeah. Not princesses. That's, <laughs> that's some other church. Princes <laughs> of God. Are y'all beginning to reflect on these messages a little bit? Yeah. Then last week, there was a well-middle-of-the-road, easy message that had no provocative nature in it. It wasn't, wasn't anything designed to grab your attention. And it was called A Shave and Two Bulls. In that message, we learned that there is no such thing as a one-bull cure-all. No. In fact, we have two bulls for a reason. Yes. Bull number one is our voluntary, willing life of tribute. And it's that bull that makes bull number two possible, which is the atonement. See, the truth is, is we have a two-bull solution for everything. Willingness and atonement must come as one beautiful set. If you don't have one, you can't have the other. No. Good things come in pairs. Reflecting on this message, we've been blessed abundantly and our lives are defined by what we have been given, not what we lack. That's true. The offerings that we make are acceptable because of our willingness to engage 
in the development of the divine nature inside of us. Come on, that's so good. Look, we learned that every time we take communion, we are renewing our pledge to show the world both of our bulls. As we take the bread, our lives are becoming a voluntary tribute. As we take the cup, our lives are being offered along with Christ as the atoning sacrifice for others. This, this process reconciles the world to God and it would never happen under the administration of a bullless contemporary kind of church. But that's not what you are, LCM. Come on now. Y'all wanna hear about today's message? Y'all really wanna hear about today's message? We're going to focus on the Levitical process outlined in Numbers 8. We're going to complete those steps today. Our title today is, hey, don't cut my prunes. (laughs) To understand Numbers 8 in the Levitical process, we actually want to start in Ephesians 4. We found out that these two passages are actually in parallel with each other. We're going to be in Ephesians 4, verse 11 and... And look, we're doing this in the English Standard Version, okay? So, Chicago, you'll be proud of that. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all, somebody say all, all, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, manhood, like a man, to the measure of the stature measure. of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Did you hear the way that the English Standard Version put that? There are men who are responsible for equipping the saints in every ministry. But look at the descriptor to mature manhood. Yeah. Not itty bitty babies, not preteens, mature manhood. And as if that was not enough, look at the next descriptor to the measure. measure. Whoo, to the measure of Christ. As much of a man as Christ is a man. Look, we, we're in an age when it's common for many to boast about their manhood. Precisely because they don't think they'll ever be in an occasion for it to be measured. Yeah. If we engage in the process that the Levitical priest outlined for us, that the fivefold outlined for us, then you will measure up. Yeah. You will measure up to the high calling of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It can never be done by avoiding the process. It can only be done by engaging in the process. And our goal is the manhood Manhood. of Christ. Measuring up to the fullness of his stature. Amen. Look, isn't it encouraging to know that you have a father who will help you measure up to the manhood of Christ? Look, we have been directed to the ancient paths of the Levites so that our priesthood can reach their measure and grow beyond into a higher measure. One that is of a heavenly priesthood of Melchizedek. See, if the processes that we've been exploring for the last three weeks were required of an earthly priesthood, how much more? Say that with me. How How much much more 
should they be seen in the body of Messiah, who is the high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Yeah. See, we are growing in measure. We're growing in holy manhood. We are growing to be exactly what Jesus is. Yeah. See, now that we've established that, let's go back to Numbers chapter 8. Numbers chapter 8 together, everyone with us, and we're going to pick it up in verse 5. Numbers 8, 5 says this. The Lord said to Moses, take the Levites from among the other Israelites and make them ceremonially clean. To purify them, uh, do this. Sprinkle the water of cleansing on them. Then have them shave their whole bodies and wash their clothes and so purify themselves. Have them take a young bull with its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil. Then you are to take a second young bull for a sin offering. Bring the Levites to the front of the tent of meeting and assemble the whole Israelite community. You are to bring the Levites before the Lord and the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites so that they may be ready to do the work of the Lord. Yeah. Man, there are so many things that we have already learned about this important passage. There's so many more that we're going to learn today. But perhaps the bottom line is that the whole aim is the exact same in Numbers 8 as it is in Ephesians 4. Namely, that you might be ready, that you might be equipped to actually do the work of the Lord and all of that in the measure of Christ. Yeah. Look, in order for us to progress in the measure of manhood, let's review the steps we will be targeting today. So pull up the next slide. You remember this slide from the message, Don't Fear the Razor. That there's a take them process, a make them process, an offering of bulls. And then steps five through seven are what we're going to focus on tonight or to today. Step five, bring Levites to the front of the tent of meeting and assemble the whole Israelite community. Step six, bring them before the Lord and the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. Lastly, step seven, Aaron presents the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites. So here's how we want you guys to see this. Step five is about Messiah's community presentation. Presentation. Step six is about Messiah's community participation. Ooh, participation. participation. Oh, and step seven is about Messiah's community proliferation. Proliferation. I'm going to say proliferation. Proliferation. But look, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Let's take a look at step five in 1 Timothy chapter four. So everybody turn there and say there whenever you're there. 1 Timothy four, verse 15. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Look, you can see in this verse that Timothy is being instructed to literally put his life on display before the entire community. 
This is very much like the Levites being assembled at the front of the tent of meeting. What Pastor Matt is saying couldn't be any more true. See, the Levites were taken from the world and they were made into a priesthood. They were sprinkled, they were shaved, and they were clothed all publicly so that they could be presented as priests. The same thing is happening to Timothy here. He's taken from his father's house and he's made through discipleship into what Paul is. And then throughout the rest of his life, you see him being clothed with Christ. Timothy was then put through a cycle of sprinkling empowerment, razor-like trials and clothing with Christ. And it's on display before the entire church. Through the word of God, it's actually on display through all the ages. I mean, we're talking about being measured publicly. I mean, when you look at what Paul says to him, it's like we're taking his stature. We're taking his measure. And we're doing it constantly in the word. The, yeah. the pastoral epistles, that is what they are. Is they're measuring where he's at so everybody can see it. I'm sure Timothy would have rather been developed into perfection in a private place. And then only revealed publicly once perfected. But that's not God's process. No. It never has been his process. Yeah. His process is public and there's a reason. It says it at the very end of the verse. If you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Yeah. God designed the process of development to not only save Timothy, but also his hearers who would follow his example. This is why everything is done in public presentation. Because the goal is to benefit that person and everyone else who sees it. Now, Pastor was giving some incredible insight just then. I had the privilege of looking at you guys while he was speaking. And when he was talking about that, the fact that Timothy would have, I'm sure, been rather uh, perfected in private, everybody got really, really quiet. Everybody got real steel about, still about having to be measured out in a very public kind of way. I mean, the measurement process, it is a... <laughs> it being so public is very, very difficult. Actually, the entirety of the context of 1 Timothy 4 involves razor-sharp instruction about what Timothy is to include or exclude from his life and therefore the life of the church. Ranging from things like doctrines of demons is what it's speaking yeah. of to the limited role of physical training, to dealing with godless myths, and many other topics that are aimed at making Timothy a good minister, a well-equipped minister. I mean, some might even go as far, I mean, not us, but some might go as far as to say a very well-endowed minister. Yeah, yeah the brother Christ was Jesus. measuring up to Christ. Measuring up to Christ. Timothy was on display in front of the whole community for inspection to see what a man growing into the measure of the manhood of Christ looks like. While Timothy may not have measured up to the full measure of the manhood of Christ, certainly everyone could see the progress of his growth and know that it was possible for them yes. as well. Amen. Look, look yes. back at verse 15 for a second. If you don't mind rolling that slide back for us, verse 15, coming, getting there, going, we're making progress towards it, the wheel is loading. Oh, yeah! 
Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. This is public presentation. You can't see progress if we don't start somewhere. And that's with an accurate measure of where you are standing. Amen. Yeah? yeah. See, Timothy is clearly fivefold. But we want you to understand today that every believer in Messiah is serving as a priest to the world. Let's look at how Jesus displayed this exact same principle in Matthew chapter 5. Everybody turn to Matthew 5. Come on, say measure up when you get there. Measure up. Matthew 5 and verse 14 says this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your Your. good deeds and praise your Your. Father in heaven. Now, see, you're picking up what we're saying here. You're picking up some of the same elements here in Matthew that we saw in the passage in Timothy. See, you cannot be hidden. Yeah. You cannot make progress while you're hidden. I mean, I'm talking about you got to have a full display in front of everybody in the house. Then your light and your deeds result in the praise of your father. Yeah. Are you starting to feel the uh, encouragement, but also pressure of this process? I mean, how many of you have ever lied about your height? How many of you are lying right now about lying about your height? <laughs> you know, nobody says I'm 5'11 and three quarters, you know? They just round it all. They give the good estimate, you know? Six foot. Six foot. <laughs> Six As I'm engaging with what Pastor Wade is saying, this whole process can't be hidden. Everyone in the house sees it. And the goal is that your light may shine before men. That they may see your good deeds and praise your father. Do you hear how personal that is? And yet it's on display before everyone. Well, engage with that for a minute. Because as I'm engaging with it, I wish that all was, that was on display was my light. But in the passage, light and deeds are clearly synonyms. Not all of my deeds are light. Yeah? When we're measured in community presentation, the profound truth is that not all of our deeds measure up. I often fall short of even beginning to approach the manhood of Christ. In the spiritual coldness of my failures. Well, that's where my real hope springs into fullness. It's in the progress that I'm making. The progress that you can see. You realize messages when from baby Eric are online? I mean, you, you can go find them in 2002. I'm embarrassed. Except that you can see the progress yes. in my life yes. since then. That's what causes hope right. 
to spring in to fullness. Look, what you should be thinking is if God displays progress in Pastor Wade's life, progress in Pastor Christie's life, if God can do it in Pastor Eric's life, then every person in this room should be taking encouragement because if we can make progress towards the manhood of Christ, then surely you can do it as well. Yeah. Being measured publicly, well, it allows you to grow publicly. Amen. Oh, look. There's some serious hope being spoken this morning. Not only if these two guys can do it, but if me and Cassidy can do this, you absolutely can do this. We're well familiar with the terrifying prospect of community inspection. I'm talking about the breaking out of the measuring line to see if I'm making progress towards the manhood. That's about 75 feet. Wow. No, 18 feet. 18 feet. 18 feet. We got more to grow. Yeah. We got more to grow. That measuring line process that is showing me how to grow into the manhood of Christ. We're familiar with this as the P. Rose. We know that it's been good for us. It's been good. Really good for us. Come on. In fact, it is less terrifying and it's actually more alluring than it's ever been. Alluring. Let, let, me, let me dial back the clock. Dial it back, brother. Let's go all the way back to the year of 2004. Actually, before some of you guys were actually born. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. In 2004, and since then, can anybody deny that my home has grown in shalom? Undeniable. There's no denying that. That my marriage has grown in fruitfulness since 2004. That my children have grown in godliness since 2004. Little oh. trophies getting in the truck. <laughs> to the highest bidder. No. As long as you measure up to the manhood of Christ. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. We're able to see the accurate measure of where you are. And this allows for the praising of our Father in the progress that you make in public. Come on now, is everybody understanding this public proclamation part of this, this public display? See, and now that we're getting familiar with the necessity of community presentation out in the open for everyone to see in step five, let's take a look at step six. Let's go back to the slide so everybody can follow with us. Step six is bring them, the Levites, before yeah. the Lord and have the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. Not uh, Bon Jovi. Lay <laughs> your hands on me. I'm just, that's, that's running through our heads here. It's the wrong picture, though. And even if your wife thinks Bon Jovi's hot, <laughs> biblically, he's not. No. Okay? <laughs> See, in the Peshat, in the plain reading of this text, this passage in Numbers 8 is clearly about ordination. But there may be a less obvious and an even more profound implication yes. that the Newer Testament asserts in this action. It does. One of the things that we love in this church is when you're reading in the Newer Testament, you go, oh, light bulb went off. I know where they got that. Okay? Yeah. It's divine inspiration and it is from engaging with the Tanakh. There's a relationship between Numbers 8 and Ephesians 4. To help illustrate that, I, I just I want to read it again. It's a fun passage. Ephesians 4, 11. 
And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. See, the fivefold is responsible for equipping the saints for the work of ministry. But notice that they and the people, the ministers and the people form only one body, the corporate body of Christ. So look how verse 13 picks up then. Until we all. Somebody say we all. We all. No, no. Ibrahim, yeah, we all. Do it in Arabic so, so they can hear that too. See, we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Do you hear how the goal is corporate there? Yeah. It's not individual? Now, what's that look like? To mature manhood. Yeah. Full-grown stature of Christ. Not 8-pound, 11-ounce, golden diaper baby Jesus. Not Ricky Bobby Christianity. We're talking about the actual stature and measure of Christ. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Both the people and the fivefold are to attain to mature manhood. Do you realize that that means that we're growing together? Do you realize that when you see growth in our life, It ought to encourage you about growth in your life. When you see failures in our life that are recovered from, that ought to encourage you about yours. Amen. We're we're actually very linked in that sense. The body of Christ operates as a unit. One body. Look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro. It's like ESV reverted to King James for a minute. (laughs) By the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful scheming. Rather! I'm so glad for the rather there. Amen. Speaking the truth in love. Yeah. We. Somebody say we. We. We are to grow up in every way. Amen. Into him who is the head. Into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, in the example of Jesus, we see mature manhood. Now, every member of his body is trying to grow up into what he is. He's the head of the body and he's directing that growth. But he gave us fivefold ministers that are members of the body assisting the other members in the process. What you could miss in that, though, because we like to elect our gladiators to go fight. Mm. We like to put men on stage and they are the example. What you miss in the process is we're equally connected to one another. Yeah. My job may be to assist you, but I'm not independent from you in any way. Which means you're also assisting me. We're connected. Thinking about the Levites. Connected to every other Israelite who is laying his hands on the Levites. This is where Paul gets the imagery of the one body. So you have to picture a group of men. Who every other man in the nation has to lay his hands on. 
How do you do that? It looks like connections, ligaments, sinews, so that there is one nation. The prototype of the body of Christ is Israel connected to each other as a nation all laying hands on the first representatives that are priests. It's connected. Yeah. Are you guys getting that? The interconnected relationship. Well, step six is about community participation. We're all equally connected to one another and participate in the body of Christ. The cycles of our failure to measure up followed by godly growth and maturity have a reciprocal effect on the entire body. So look, I want you to envision something. Envision your hands on the shoulders of the person next to you. How about we don't envision it? Go ahead and do Let's it. Let's do it. Yeah. If you're a guest and that weirds you out, you will not like the rest of the service either. Look around. Uh, if our chairs were even closer and there were no aisles, there'd be a complete interconnectedness. And realize from this imagery, none of us are independent from each other. None are independent. You affect one and you affect the entire body. <laughs> All right, you can put your arms down now. This imagery that you just experienced and look, church, moreover, this is the way of life that we live because it's a biblical way of life. This is clearly seen in Numbers 8. So the growth and maturity of every person in this room is connected to every other person in this room, which is why every aspect should be on display. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to look at verse 12. You know, in a household growing up, how many, how many of you mamas in here got little ones still at home? Raise your hand if you got kids at home. Okay. Now put your hands back down. You ready? You're, you're used to putting your hands up. How many of you have written your kids' heights somewhere on the wall in the house? How dare you humiliate them like that? Shame on you for bringing such degradation upon Humiliation. them. Humiliation. I cannot believe that you would do that. In a household, why do you do it? To mark, to mark their growth. growth. We measure publicly in the body of Christ because it marks growth. And we're not independent of each other anyway. Can you imagine you go to a tailor to get your tux? That's a funny thought in and of itself, huh? I mean, they would look like James Bond in a tux. I would look like a penguin. But I look like Shamu. And... And he measured your waist, but not the length of your legs. He measured your wrist, but didn't measure, uh, what's that, girth? Chest. 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 Broad, yeah. chest. chest. Chicken chest parts. Yes, just yeah. like that. So, and he didn't do it because, I mean, he didn't want to draw attention to the fact that you got all this going on up here. He, he didn't want to make you feel funny about your thighs. He didn't. No, no, you want the clothes to fit. Well, we want to measure up to Christ. Yeah. We, we, we want to measure up to Christ. And we can only get there together. Yeah. In fact, it was a few months ago, we just celebrated Emmy reaching the height of five foot one. Yeah. She can now ride the rides. 
and growing in stature. It's okay, Chris. We'll keep uh, praying for you. Yeah, and, and, and Abby, would you give Emmy a high five as the shortest member of the Stevens family with the shortest <laughs> member of the Piro family? Everybody at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Look, Paul seems to continually be drawing from the imagery of Numbers 8 in this passage. While it's true that the function of the fivefold is specifically to equip every other member, it is equally true that every member's growth and maturity affects all the other members. Yeah. Which, again, is why this whole process is on display before the whole house and the entire community. Now, you've met, maybe you've read this passage many times. But we're hoping that today it's sinking in in a different way, the interconnectedness of this community, of what God has intended for his body to function as. What he wants is house, his, his building to function the way that he has designed it. Look in the same chapter in verse 26, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 26, and listen to this with this understanding that we've presented to you. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now consider what the implications of this verse and this passage is. How can we celebrate the progress of our fellow members in the body if we are unaware of the areas that were previously failing to measure up to the manhood of Christ? How can we exalt the triumph of Christ in someone else's life if they were too insecure, too scared, or too prideful to let you know the spiritual tragedies that they are growing out of? Come on now, church, as a connected body, we experience tragedy and triumph, and we do it together. Amen. As a connected body, we go from the immaturity of childhood to the triumph of mature manhood, and we do that together. Amen. Together. Yeah. Look, can you imagine uh, somebody telling you uh, on the phone, hey, man, I want you to cut my hair short. In, in relation to what? I mean, Carlos short, Eric short, like what, what is short? Well, it's like this with our growth. Uh, dad, 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 my, my shoe size is an eight. Well, if, if you knew that his shoe size was a six before, you realize that we are celebrating growth yeah. as all little boys around seventh and eighth grade are excited about doing. The problem with this is, is if we are not connected and we don't know, you're like, an eight sounds good to you? I mean, Cody's got a size 13. We're now not celebrating what is legitimate growth in somebody's yeah. life because there was not an accurate measure of what was there. And more than that, 
We're exalting something else, Cody size 13, that hasn't changed in 20 years. See, this is why we're connected as a family. I think there's a skit somewhere about, you know, people with big feet and tiny little hands singing. It looks funny. As a body of Christ, our growth is supposed to be proportionate to each other. We're supposed to be helping each other. If one part is lacking, we're all supposed to be helping the part that is lacking. But you can't do it if you don't know. You can't do it if the person is scared, shriveled, and withdrawn. In this house, we're not shrinkers, though. No. We stand up and say, measure me. I want to grow into the fullness of Christ. Church, when you're thinking of this kind of imagery, of the connectedness of every Israelite laying their hands on the Levites and the Levites laying their hands on each other, one body, when you're thinking about that as you, when you're envisioning every member in this room shoulder to shoulder, as Peyton's song says, connected, integrated, a corporate body of Christ, has God not been generous to you? Yes, yeah. he has. Very. Look at who is on your left and right. Yeah. Has God not been generous to you? Yes. You're surrounded by the willing offerings of Jesus Christ. He purchased Caleb. He purchased Abby. He purchased Timo. And you get to be connected to yes. them. Amen. That was meant to spur your growth and you to spur their growth and to help each other when there's a lack of growth. Yeah. Look, have you not been blessed abundantly in every way? Abundantly, yes. I mean, I know what it is to start something literally ex nihilo, right out of nothing. Look at what you are surrounded by. Yeah. Oh, that ought to make you want to engage in this process. Uh, our failures, they might affect each other. And that's a sobering thought, isn't it? Yeah. You know what else affects each other? Our successes. Amen. Yes. I mean, do you remember when John and Joy conceived for the first time? Yeah. The whole church erupted in excitement. Yeah. And you know what followed it? Faith about every other difficult pregnancy. Yeah. Our failures touch each other's lives. And our successes touch each other's lives. That's because we grow as one body together. And our goal is the measure of Christ. The mature manhood that he displayed. Now, this might be a good moment for you to express some joyful shouts of praise for the brothers that are around you. Hallelujah! We're going to triumph together in Christ. Yeah. You, wanna, you know what else? We're going to walk right out on the bank and strut before the whole world. They can hide in darkness. We're going to grow in full view of the whole world and do it unashamedly. Amen. Can we go back over a slide together? We're going to look at Sheba, the seventh, the completion of this process. So often the seventh is uh, the best. When we're looking at seven, it's Aaron presents the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites. See, this is community proliferation. Yeah. This is the visible, tangible growth of the body that is a gift both to and from God. Now, we're 43 minutes in, and that might be a lot for you to grasp, but I have confidence in you. Aaron, as one man, well, he's presenting... Back to God, the Levites is a group of men as the first fruits. Yeah. These are priests for you, Lord. 
But the whole act is being performed on behalf of every Israelite. And it foreshadows the future of every Israelite who is destined to become a nation of priests. So Aaron's got a group of priests, and he's like, hey, Lord, this is for you on behalf of the Israelites. The Israelites are looking at those priests, and they're going, as a nation, this is exactly what we're going to become. See, the whole process started as a gift from God to equip Israel. The priests were given as a gift to equip Israel. But as the priests do their work and the people engage in that work, it ends up being a gift back to God because it's accomplishing what he wants. Did I lose you? Is that too deep by half? The truth is you personally are engaged in being a gift from God. See, that's what happens when you got saved and entered into the ministry of Jesus Christ. That was a gift. It didn't come from you. It was not based on your merit. But now your life is becoming a gift given back to God. Presented as a wave offering everything that you accomplish in his name and on his behalf. Look, what Pastor said is profoundly deep. So we want to help you out a little bit. Everybody turn to Exodus chapter 19. Help us, brother. Help us measure up. Exodus 19, say, don't cut my prunes when you get there. (laughs) Exodus 19, verse 3. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. The original call of Israel was to become a kingdom of priests as a national function of them all. This call had to begin with a group of men. It had to begin with the Levites. These were the men who were responsible for helping others arrive at their destiny, which is becoming a nation of priests. Come on, this is our God calling the end from the beginning. He's telling them what they will all become as Israelites, an entire nation of priests. But there's a group that you get to see that it's working in ahead of time. So the Levites are the first fruits of what the entirety of the Israelites are to become. See, and it's the Israelites who are waving this offering in faith, saying, I can see it in them. We are identifying with that. They may have gone first. They are the first fruits. But that gives us hope that we will become exactly what we are able to see in them. See, this is one body progressing in maturity to become what God said that they would be. Man, let that soak into your heart and bring you a special kind of encouragement today about this understanding of first fruits. I mean, do you remember a slide from two weeks ago? We want to put it on the screen for you to help you connect some dots. The, Nazar- the Nazarites were individuals who shaved their heads. 
The Levites, a class of people who shaved their entire bodies. And then the Israelites are a nation who shaved their resources. Now think about it, church. Why would God have a specific group of specially dedicated Nazarites shave their heads? Why would God have his specifically devoted priesthood shave their entire bodies in front of the whole world? Why would God have his chosen nation ritually shave their resources in full view of the whole world? There's only one answer to all three questions that I've just posed to you. God wanted all men to be able to see the growth that he would cause in the life of specially devoted men and women. Yeah. See, he did it visibly. He did it publicly. He did it in front of everyone so that both the measuring and what had grown from it could be seen by all. It saves both you and your hearers. What's maybe more example, uh, what's more amazing in these examples is that this is God's desire for all of humanity. Yeah. He started with the Nazarites, a relatively small group of people. And then he moved to the Levites, small in comparison to the world, but bigger than the Nazarites. Then he moves to the Israelites, bigger than both of the previous two groups. He is always aimed at his desire for all of humanity. But he has to start somewhere. His goal is that all of humanity would become specially devoted to him. Yeah. And... The thing is, is we're supposed to provoke growth towards that goal. Uh, look, I, I'd like to show you something that Paul says, and it's somewhat negative. But you learn sometimes from a negative statement in the Bible what should be done positively. Look at Colossians 2, 19. He has lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews. Grows as God causes it to grow. Who causes it to grow? See, the whole Numbers 8 process or the Ephesians 4 process, it's about being shaved or pruned in front of the whole world so that the whole world can see that you are growing into the full measure of the manhood of Christ. And that it's not your abilities It's not your personal merit that's causing it. It's a blessing from God that's causing it. The apostle is warning the church at Coloss here that when you begin to lose this perspective within the body, well, the only way that you can inspire godly growth for the rest of humanity is if they get to see this process. So when you lose this perspective, what you're actually doing Is you're cutting off the manhood of Christ in your life. You're cutting off your own growth. You you are cutting off other people's growth who don't get to see it. The only way that we can have godly growth that inspires the rest of humanity is if we engage in the whole process as a community. And we do it in front of the full view of the whole world. Look, we want you to remember... The goal of every razor-like pruning is put forth simply in Scripture. I want to show you on the screen 1 Corinthians 3, 7. And it's very, very direct and clear. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God 
who makes things grow. So let's tie this all in. Whether the Nazarites, Levites, or Israelites from Numbers 8, or the fivefold and body of Messiah from Ephesians 4, the point is not humiliation. The point is not degradation or punishment for your present state. The point is a clear measuring of what is presently so that you can see it for what it actually is. And the whole body can see what God grows from that moment forward. Look, get this. Pruning causes the new growth to become visible to everyone because it is done publicly. And the new growth also occurs publicly. You know why we shy away from this is it's embarrassing to be found not to measure up in an area. Yeah. Do you know what's far more embarrassing? To hide it and continue to not measure up in that area. Yes. Yes. When we have the courage to be connected to the body of Christ, we grow faster. Everybody glorifies God because we're doing it. We get stronger and it helps every other member of the body. Yes. Who is the one that causes it to grow? God does. He's the only one who can cause you to grow as an individual. He can join you to a body that each man's growth inspires all the other members to community growth. Amen. Don't you find that at work in our midst, when you see someone growing in the Lord that God is giving, it inspires the same inside of you? Look, he can even take communities growing in the measure of Messiah and use them to inspire humanity to become specially devoted to God. Church, this is so good and it's so clear. We're going to have you turn to one final passage today to get the most clear presentation of what we're speaking to you possible. Let's all turn to John chapter 15, and we're going to begin in verse 1. John 15, 1. Somebody say, hey, don't cut my prunes. John 15, 1 begins, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. This verse is familiar to us as Christians, and that familiarity can cause us to dramatically miss the point. Those of you who attend our foundations meetings on Jeremiah, specifically in Jeremiah chapter 5, and even more specifically about verse 10, you may remember that this statement didn't begin in John 15. Israel is repeatedly called the vine of God throughout the law, throughout the prophets, throughout the writings. Jesus is the true Israelite. In other words, he is the first fruits of everything that God wants an Israelite to be. His father as the gardener who created Israel. Somebody say created. Created. He will form the nation of Israel. Somebody say form. Form. Until he has established Israel. Somebody say established. Established. As he intended for Israel to be. He does this through the razor-like pruning and the public inspection of what has grown as a first fruits offering. Yeah. Take a look at verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Yep. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So why does the father use a razor to prune Israel? Well, the answer is so that Israel will be even more fruitful. If he does this to a corporate nation, and Jesus is the best, the perfect example of that corporate nation, 
What does he do to each member of the body of Christ? See, he, every member of the body of Christ is pruned so that new growth from God can become visible. And that visible growth can act as a wave offering before the Lord. Can somebody say amen? amen. How many of you want to grow? Then we have to be pruned. And if you cut off this pruning process, if you cut off the prunes, then you have denied yourself the manhood of Christ. Each of us is growing in the measure of the manhood of Christ, but it comes through the razor-like pruning, through the public inspection of growth. It comes through making your life a wave offering in front of all of the world. We never want to cut off the pruning process. I mean, you may want to, but it would diminish you. It would emasculate you, spiritually speaking. You'll never produce life. You'll never be able to disciple correctly. You'll never be what God wants you to be. And just to be honest, it's why we have, it's why we have a sick and dying contemporary church all around us. There's no public inspection. There's no room for actual growth. There's a general agreement that we all show up. We drop some money in the box. We hear things vaguely related to the scripture, but we are not personally challenged about our growth and held accountable when we sin. Amen. And that's not, that's not who we are because we're growing in our stature. Amen, Amen to that? Yeah. Look at verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. See, this is very much like the Levites. It's very much like Ephesians 4. You've already been taken out of the world. You've already been made into a disciple through the sprinkling, shaving, and clothing process. So why aren't we done? Because it's not a linear process. The process is not over because we have not yet reached the full measure of the manhood of Christ. So you keep going through it and you keep developing it like a diesel engine building torque. You are getting stronger. You're growing into Christ as you do this. That's the point. Yeah. See how this continues in verse 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So we want to see this from just a a real perspective. It sounds a little silly as an agricultural metaphor to speak about a branch not remaining on a vine. Think about it. How does an outgrowth from a vine disconnect itself? It can't. Just naturally speaking. There's no way it can't. That's because this is an obvious metaphor. And while branches can't decide to detach themselves, people can. Yeah. They decide that this is too difficult. They decide that it's undesirable. It's too burdensome to be measured, to be pruned. It's too burdensome to be expected to actually grow. So what do they do? They withdraw from the process itself. They shrivel up and shrink back and deny themselves the manhood that could be theirs. Man, look, the corporate body of Messiah is dependent upon the process and staying connected with each other Messiah through the entire process. None of us are independent from each other. 
Come on, church. We are one vine. We are one body. And we are growing into the fullness of the measure of the manhood of Christ. And we're going to do it all together. Amen. Look at verse 5. I am the vine. This is Jesus, the true Israelite speaking. You are the branches. He's speaking to the corporate body of Messiah. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, this is a conversation between Jews. Everyone present in this context is a Jew, is an Israeli. The context is about how to become the nation of priests that every Israelite was called to become. See, if that is the proper context for this passage, then how much more is it true of a heavenly order of priests comprised of men from every single nation? See, we must stay engaged in the pruning process. Don't cut off your pruning You have to stay engaged in this. You would only be denying the manhood that is yours in Christ if you cut off your pruning. Look at verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. See, disengaging in the process, cutting off your pruning, it not only means that you lose your manhood, it means that you're burned with fire. See, we either grow into what Christ is or we're discarded. Because the only way you don't grow into what Christ is, is if you decide to disconnect from him. However, we're confident of better things in here. Is it all right if I move forward, Rhett? Rhett says to move forward. So I want to see what else this passage says. If you remain in me, are you going to remain in him, church? Yes. And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How encouraging is this? The glory of the Father is in the wave offering of your life. He will give you anything in support of that effort. Forget what the prosperity pimps that are robbing old ladies on TV in the name of Jesus are doing for a minute. That's not what this verse means. If you are engaged in Jesus Christ, if you are connected to him, if you're growing in stature towards him, he will give you anything that you need in support of that effort. Come on. That's everything, friends. That context is everything. He has a goal in mind. And it'll be a gift to him when it's done. So, of course, he'll fund it. Of course, he will empower it. Of course, he will inspire it. Yeah. But you have to engage in all of that. The glory of the Father is in the wave offering of your life. As this is growing, you are willingly saying, look, he can do this kind of new growth. He did it. It's not that you're perfected. It's that you grew a perfectly formed ear. Your nose is still a little little janky. Your eyebrows are a little foobar. But you do got a great ear. 
And then he straightens out your nose, so to speak. And you wave that before the Lord. The whole world gets to see the makeover. Okay. Jesus is the first of the first fruits. Say first of. First of. The first fruits. He shows us what the perfected stature in manhood looks like. Yeah. But you and I, we're supposed to grow into what he is and we can. You know what happens then? We serve as a kind of secondary first fruits. Indicating what the rest of the world can become if they follow our example as we follow Christ's example. Yeah. That's what discipleship is. We get to be being made into what Jesus is. Others get to see that happening and go, me too. It'd be the right kind of me too movement. Okay? Look, we, uh, we are closing now. So I want to walk back through just a couple, couple items here. Every one of us have to be taken from something to something. Okay? If there's no clear taking in your life, if everything's pretty much always the way that it was, you haven't even begun the process. Then we have to be made into a priest. That comes from the sprinkling of his spiritual waters on your life. We have to be ritually shaved every area of our body so that new growth can be marked in our life. It means that nothing of your old life should be present in your new life. Nothing. Yeah. We have our clothes, which are our deeds washed. We put on Christ. But you know what? Even after doing those things, we're not anywhere near done. Because the third one is the voluntary bull. It is the concept that in every situation, you now, your life belongs to him, and it's your joy, and you're excited to bring it as voluntary tribute, no matter what it means. Which takes you to the second bull. There's atonement for that man in every situation after his washing, after his shaving, after his being taken and made. Do you really think that the atonement doesn't have to follow you every day? Come on. Then we move into the place where our lives are being offered in community presentation. It's not about you. It's not an individual or personal thing anymore. You're connected to the body of Christ and everything you do affects every other person. And then in step six, we all begin to lay our hands on each other and there's community participation in the perfection that is ours. In step seven, what it causes is something that is community proliferation. The whole world can see what you are becoming, what we together are becoming. I'm not proud of our sermons in this church. I'm proud of our family Amen. in this church. Yes. So, well, I don't know what to think about what he preached. Well, did you like the family? <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> preaching changes from week to week. But if you don't like the family, get out now. We're very proud of what God has yes, built here. Are. As we look at these steps in Numbers 8, I want to tie something together for you that shows us what we must do. Step 7 is that Aaron presents the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering. This is what the Lord wants to grow you into. Well, this is directly parallel to where we ended in John 15, that you may show yourselves to be his disciples. But 
How? According to John 15, how is it that everyone shows themselves to be his disciples? By bearing much fruit. You know, what was a wave offering just wasn't a couple of stalks or weeds. It was actually what had fruit on it. So how do you bear fruit? Well, it's looking at the numbers eight process and having an honest assessment. It starts with, you must be taken. Look, church is not a place where you just attend and hide in the shadows, hoping to glean some spiritual benefit that you take away and privately develop. Church is a family. It's a body. It's one vine. After that process of being taken, there is that process of being made. So have you entered the process of being made and then you stalled out? You've become discouraged or become withdrawn. Man, this is a little bit more painful than I expected. It's not really what I signed up for. I can tell you, this family and the body of Christ, we're not those who shrink back. We are of those who are constantly stepping forward to be sprinkled, shaved, and clothed. And expecting that there's even more after that process. That it's then we're able to have a joyful willingness to be a sacrifice, a voluntary tribute of our entire lives. Every ounce of expectation and control is laid at the altar. It's then that we can expect the atonement to be offered for our missteps in the areas we don't get it right. You see that your father is wanting you to grow. He is wanting you to mature into the full manhood of Christ. And that's for every person in this room. That's for every person in the body of Christ. This then brings us to the ability to welcome and step confidently into the community presentation. Confidently inviting the community participation and then expecting the outcome of the community proliferation. An outward growth that we can all celebrate. Let's stand to our feet. Here's what I, I ask and challenge of you. Where in this process have you withdrawn? Where in this process have you been discouraged? And you've run from, hid from the actual pruning process. Because here today at this altar, you can turn and repent and walk back into the pruning process that will provide your perfection into being exactly the mature manhood of Christ that he has designed you to be. So offer up your whole lives now and let the change begin here at this altar and we'll carry it outside those doors. Mighty God, we thank you for your word. Your word that instructs us, that guides us, that leads us into becoming who you are. I pray that here and now, your power and your presence would be here. Lord, change us. Change the way that we live. Change the way that we think to become you measuring up to the fullness of your manhood. In Jesus' name, amen.